This Augusta Golf Show podcast is brought to you by Audi Augusta. Online at AudiAugusta.com. Well, Brad Paxson won eight times on the PGA Tour, a two-time winner on the PGA Tour Champions Tour, and he is a past recipient of the Payne Stewart Award. Brad covers the game for Fox Sports. It is a pleasure to welcome Brad Faxon to the Augusta Golf Show, unbelievably for the very first time. Um, how are you, Brad? <laughs> I'm good, John. How about you? I'm great. Thank you so much for doing this. I appreciate it. My pleasure. My pleasure. I think we've all used the word unprecedented, an unprecedented amount of times, haven't we? Yeah, probably so. Probably I so. Um, did you think last Sunday was going to be as much fun as it was? Well, I thought it was tremendous, really. Um, yeah, and exceeded expectations. Um, you know, I was excited just to see live golf two weeks ago at Seminole with, with McElroy and uh, Dustin, uh, and Ricky Fowler and Dustin Johnson. And, and um, seeing Seminole live for the first time was great to see. Um, and, you know, golf is rarely what you would call entertaining personality-wise, but when, when you threw in Peyton Manning and, and a very nervous Tom Brady along with an extra gregarious <laughs> Phil Mickelson, uh, it was certainly uh, as I think it was as rewarding a golf event as I've seen in a long time. You gotta give Tom and Peyton a ton of credit for putting their golf games on display like that. I mean, that takes a lot of guts. Well, no doubt, and I, I was lucky enough to have Peyton on my radio show. I do every Monday, so it's called Just the Facts on PGA Tour Radio. But uh, Peyton doesn't like to do a lot of radio shows or or podcast and and the, the first thing i asked him was when he was on that first tee and and the the delay that they had from the rain so they were teeing off 45 minutes late and then they had to watch both tiger and phil tee off before them you know that weight must have just made their stomachs churn inside and he related it to the feeling he had in his first super bowl when um, De- uh, Devin hester ran back the opening kickoff <laughs> and then peyton came out through an interception in his first drive he said I, I've never felt like that before or since. Well, you know, and he said at the end of the whole event, you know, even on the even on the last few shots on 18, he was nervous. Well, he he was, but I also think that he he looked, you know, he still looked athletic and comfortable. And and Peyton Manning, um, I, I thought the start when Samuel L. Jackson was um, hmm. doing the Zoom introduction, um, and they could hear it on the first team speakers, uh, and and. Samuel said, somehow you've managed to do more commercials than I've done movies. I thought that was really funny. And, and Peyton, I don't know if there's been a, an athlete uh, that's been able to do what he's done after their career, uh, maybe since Arnold Palmer. Do you want to see more of that? Do you want to see more events like this? Well, I, I mean, part of me as a professional golfer um, wants to see just competitive golf with, mm-hmm. with spectators uh, and, and screaming and yelling. Um, but when you see w- what you saw and, and you know, having an announcer like Justin Thomas, who's number four in the world and, and friends with Tiger and Phil, who could get them to speak during the, the play. I mean, does it make make you want to hear players talk more, more microphones, have them mic'd while they play? Uh, you certainly would need a, a six second delete button on a lot of the <laughs> conversations you'd hear. But. Yeah, it makes you want to think of some of the things you could do that would be better in the broadcast. You know, I did though. I I did think Brad though for for the amount of people watching that thing, probably a portion of them non golfers. 
it showed them why we love it. I mean, that was that was my friends out there. That's how we treat each other. That's how we play the game. That's why the game is fun. That's what the game gives you. That's why you love it. And I loved that whole interaction on Sunday for, for that reason. Uh, there's no doubt about it. And it's funny, you know, you and I have a mutual friend, Martin Davis, who is a great historian, a great author. Um, and he's doing a new coffee table golf book on Arnold Palmer. And I've been um, asked to help out by writing some of the, the putting uh, of Arnold Palmer's career. So I've been watching old videos. And, and the older players were so more demonstrative on the course, uh, just with the reactions to good shots. And they almost danced around the course and the greens. And um, they were celebrities when you looked at um, you know Hogan and Palmer and Nicholas and up the ladder. Um, and it made you think like, yeah, golf could be really, really cool if players were, you know, more talkative while they played. Uh, and I get it. The seriousness of, of major championship golf and the exposure these players have with social media now is very, very different. It's, and <laughs> don't forget to mention how, how much uh, they're playing for dollar-wise. Yeah. We are uh, talking with Brad Baxson here on the Augusta Golf Show. All right, let's talk a little golf. Do you as you and I are talking right now, and it's nothing more than a feeling, maybe a wishful feeling, maybe a hopeful feeling, but do you think, Brad, we do we play all four men's majors this year? It's, it's a, a great, great question. It's funny. I, I've been um, texting back and forth before you called with Hale Irwin because Fox uh, does the broadcast for the USGA events, and the U.S. Open this year has been postponed until September at Winged Foot, where Hale Irwin was the champion back in 1974 and what many say was the, the most difficult U.S. Open in, in history. Um, so I've been watching some tapes, and I get so excited about the chance to, to go to Winged Foot and announce on one of the most difficult courses in the world and one of the most memorable courses in the world and some of the most memorable events there, Phil Mickelson uh, double bogeying the, the last hole. And I, I think there's nothing more that could be more gratifying for the country right now after the pandemic of having live sports and being able to compact all of them into a, a short window where you could see uh, the U.S. Open, the Masters, and the PGA Championship all within a couple months of each other. So I'm dying for it. But, uh, John, I think one of the biggest obstacles right now when the PGA Tour is planning in their debut uh, at Fort Worth and Colonial in, in a few weeks, which is hard to believe, but there's mm -hmm. still travel bans around the world. And, and certain players like Tommy Fleetwood top 10 in the world, Lee Westwood, uh, one of the best players in the world, um, saying, look, I'm not coming because I don't want to get stuck. And a lot of the foreigners that have caddies from different uh, places are, are also wondering how are they going to uh, work this out. Speaking of international players, do you think it, it, today, as we talk, we haven't seen him play a whole lot lately, do we think Rory is the best player in the world? Well, he's uh, number one ranked player in the world. He's uh, been number one eight separate times, and other than Tiger Woods and Greg Norman, nobody's held that position more than Rory. And if you wanted to get a little glimpse of how he's looking, uh, and, and you saw him play at Seminole, um, I, I think one of the, the greatest new technologies we've seen in our game in sports is the tracer, the shot tracer. And to, to see Tiger hit every single fairway at the medalist, and to see Rory hit drivers that some went high, some went low, some curved right to left, some curved left to right, uh, on command. Uh, I, I think Rory's going to be raring to go. I think his schedule is planning to play the first three events right out of the box. Um, so he's, um, I don't see anybody better than Rory McIlroy right now, um, and especially for long term. 
You mentioned putting. Let me ask you a couple of putting questions. And I've had a lot of people on this show say this to me. Once a great putter loses it, it's almost impossible for them to get it back. Do you do you subscribe to that, Brad? So I, I would say, you know, I've become a little bit of a, uh, I don't know if the right word is coach, instructor, sure. teacher to some of the players. Um, I don't know what the best word is. I think guru. Uh, but, I, well, let's use guru. Yeah, you could use guru. As, uh, but I would never profess that that can or should be true. And, and there's too many examples of players that have had putting woes that have come back to be great players. And the first guy that would leap into your mind would be Bernard Langer, who's been the number one player on the Champions Tour for what seems like an eternity um, and who has battled uh, the, the unnameable word called the yips um, four different times in his career and come back to, to – to you know, just be incredibly good uh, with both his attitude and improving his technique, uh, or changing his technique for that matter. But um, I, I think we've seen guys like so. I, I've learned Arnold Palmer. You know, he won his um, seven major championships in a six-year span. Where you know, if you look at Jack and Tiger and Gary Player, they won their major championships over a twenty-year career. So you you could make the argument that Palmer's putting is what held him back from being even a greater player than he was um, because of, you know, putting, whether it's yips, woes, inconsistencies. Um, But I also have seen so many players that have been able to find some magic, um, like a Jim Furyk, who's been an incessant tinkerer, uh, whether it's with equipment, shafts, grips, uh, strokes, um, over the course of his career. Before I let you go, do some long-range guruing. Um, you played a lot of pro ams. Played a lot of with a lot of amateurs. Can you can you give the amateur who's listening this morning maybe one universal tip about putting? Something that you see on the most part they don't do or they do do. Oh sure, absolutely. I'll give you a few. Um, uh, I, I do a, a little a tip at, at the end of my show every Monday, uh, just a kind of a putting tip, and. I had McElroy on the show a few weeks ago, and, and his putting tip was amateurs that he plays with in the Prams don't play enough break. So in, in essence, that means they don't read enough break, they don't um, play enough, or they don't really realize how much the ball curves at the end when it slows down when gravity takes over. Um, so that's one thing that even the pros need to get better at is learning how much a ball breaks on the greens, especially when they get faster or slope or more slope. So that's one of them. And then the thing I see a lot of times is, is players are taught, um, you know, the old adages of keep your head down, follow through, accelerate. And, and what happens is they lose like timing um, where, where they get very slow and short on a backswing and then a quick transition and long follow throughs and they don't have good uh, control of the, the putter head when it goes through the ball. So they, have, uh, they don't have center contact, which is really important. And their distance control is way off. So uh, I like the thought of, of a softer arms in, in, in your stroke and a softer grip to allow a longer swing so that the, the symmetry of the stroke matches so that your backstroke and your follow-through kind of match a little bit better. Uh, and really, it's hard to do that unless you see yourself. So you have to see yourself on video. He is Brad Faxon. Brad, I have wanted to do this for a very long time. I'm glad you said yes to this. Thank you for taking the time. I deeply appreciate it. John, my pleasure. And uh, I can't wait to see live professional golf uh, very soon and, and to see a U.S. Open and a Masters 
within the next few months will be incredible. 